Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Today and the next week we'll be giving you maybe a... Today I'll give you a, an appetizer and a salad, all right? Next week we might get into a nice juicy steak, some twice-baked potato on the side, homegrown green beans... That sound good? Anybody hungry yet? Then work our way toward the dessert, hot fudge over some chocolate cake, whipped cream and a cherry on top. Going to give you a great meal over the next few weeks. Is that all right? <laughs> Hold on to your stomach. Say, chill out. We'll get out of here in a little bit. Third John. Now this is John the Beloved, who is writing this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John being the dearest friend of Christ on the earth. Jesus had uh, relationships on many levels, and, uh, but we all, he also had what we call the big three, Peter, James, and John, who got to do special things with Christ, being that they got to be there when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. He only took those three disciples with him out of the 12 to experience that. He also only took those three up on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was glorified and Moses was there representing the law and Elijah was there representing the prophets and grace right in the middle of it and even their names are an, an incredible thing the names of Peter James and John God does nothing by accident or by happenstance you know that hmm? we do things by accident happenstance all the time God never does that the, the fact that those three men there were there at that time was not an accident their names are powerful Peter means rock or we could call that the law, the stone tablets. James means replaced, and John means grace or love. The law replaced by grace and love. Isn't that a beautiful thought? And John, being the closest man to Christ, he was the one that actually laid on Jesus' chest. He was the one that heard the literal heartbeat of Jesus. He was the one when Jesus was on the cross and everybody else had scattered, he was there at the foot of the cross. And Jesus' relationship with him was so special that he even turned over the care of his mother to John at the moment, of, at the time of his death. Just an amazing relationship. And him writing this lets us know that he knows a thing or two about Christ, does he not? He understands God's attitude toward things, understands his will. And when the Holy Spirit began to move on him, he penned these words here. Third John, verse 1, it's just one chapter. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as. Everybody say, even as even as your soul prospers. Well, how prosperous is your soul if you're a believer in Christ? Well, it's just about as prosperous, prosperous as it will ever be. I mean, God's not going to make your soul any prosperous today than, 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 or tomorrow than it is today and yours to come than it is now. It is as prosperous as it is going to be. Are you hearing me today? He's done all that he can do through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfied his father's wrath when he poured out his wrath on his son and his blood was shed for all of our sins because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But thank God the blood was shed and now our sins have been removed. We are guilt-free. We are free from the power of tyranny of sin and the power of the devil over our lives. Free from that, no longer fitting that mold anymore. Been bought with a price, bought with the very blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because we put our faith in his effort. That is that he died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ came to us. Grace came to us through Jesus Christ. So he did everything that he could do in that area. But he tells us. Now, 
Can we say that, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper? Can that be you here today? Or is he really just talking to one guy, Mr. Gaius? Mm -mm. No, it's for you today, right here, 2009, sitting here in this church today. That is the prayer for you as well, that you prosper and be in health even as you're so proud. Otherwise, God would not have made sure that this book got to us. If it wasn't for us, he wouldn't have got this to us. Because, you know, John says, John says later on that uh, the works of Christ, he said, I mean, if we were to really talk about all that he did, we'd fill up the whole world with all the books. So obviously there were some things that he really needed us to hear and other things to hear later on. But right now, what's in that Bible is for you. Are you hearing me today? And this verse is for you. And he wants your soul, he wants you to prosper, and he wants you to be in health even as your soul is prosperous. God wants your financial life, he wants your physical life to be just as prosperous as your soul. What a great, great thing our Heavenly Father wants for us today. I want you to renew your faith in this, that your Heavenly Father wants you to prosper and be in health. As a matter of fact, why don't you say this with me? My Heavenly Father, make it personal. My Heavenly Father wants me to prosper, wants me to be in health, even as my soul prospers. My Heavenly Father wants me to prosper, wants me to be in health, even as my soul prospers. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 is a wonderful verse of Scripture as well. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace, that is the undeserved, the unearned, the unmerited favor of God. Aren't you glad that, see, the Bible teaches us in John chapter 1 that through Moses came the law, but by, by Jesus came grace and truth. I'm grateful to God for his grace today. We know the grace. That is, grace is undeserved. It's unearned. It's unmerited favor with God and from God. So you have favor with God and from God for your life today. I want you to say that with me. I have favor with God and from God. Now look at this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 8 9, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, whose sakes? Say my sake. For your sakes, he became poor. That you, who's that? Is that you? Is that the, is the you that's here, the same you that's sitting in the room today? I, I want you to understand this. And I want you to get this. That you, through his poverty, might be rich. Or in the literal text, it means well supplied. You have favor with God and from God. I want you to say this with me as well. It is my Father's will that I be well supplied. Jesus was made to be poor so that I could be well supplied. Are you getting this this morning? Is this helping you? The reason I'm having you repeat these things today is to energize your faith today. Are you hearing me? To put a new thought into your head. Some of you might not think this way, but I want to put a new thought into your head today. Or maybe you've not thought this way for a while. You believe this, but it hasn't been something you've been thinking about because the Bible is, is so... Uh, uh, clear when it teaches us. Proverbs chapter 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, what? How important is it to get your thoughts right then? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you can either then jump on this recession bandwagon and think and talk like everybody else is talking because it is very negative and just say what everybody else is saying about the economy and talk about how you can't afford this or you can't afford that. And you can have all of those things. You can have debt, you can have lack, and you can have poverty all you want, however much you talk about it. Or you can purge your mouth. You can purge your mind. Are you hearing me today? By renewing yourself to what God says. Get his word in your heart. Get his thoughts. Get his 
uh, 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 speech in your mouth, get his words in your mouth and start living a whole other reality than what this world offers. I want to give you a statistic here. As much as 77% of everything we think is negative and counterproductive and works against us. People who grow up in an average household hear no or are told what they can't do more than 148,000 times by, they reach the, by the time they reach the age of 18. And the result of that is unintentional negative programming. That's just, I mean, if we're left to ourselves, that's the direction we're going to go. Hmm? But God's called us to cast down those imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. Your mind is constantly trying, is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. That's its propensity. But he says, cast those things down and every thought, bring every thought captive into the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the power to change the way you think. Otherwise, the Bible would not tell you to do it. Be not, trans, be not conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of you want to know the will of God for your life? How many of you want to see it proven in your life? Then you've got to renew your mind. You've got to change the way you think. It's not important for you to just only hear what I'm telling you today, but it's important that you take it out of here, get it in your thoughts, meditate on it, and talk about it. Because the truth is, all of us, to some degree, have talked ourselves into where we are right now at this present time. And you might have talked yourself into a negative pit. But you can change that. Start digging with that tongue. Start talking right. Start saying what God says. You don't have to stay there. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord who brought me up out of the pit. And God is well able. He's got all the power in His Word and in His promises to cause you to live above every circumstance in this world. You do not have to play victim. You've been called to be the victor. Can I have a good amen? And the truth is, the truth is that your life, your tongue is guiding your life. James likened it to a bridle in a horse, horse's mouth. He also likened it to a rudder on a big ship. That big old ship moving around by that little bitty rudder. And your whole huge existence goes in the direction of where that tongue is leading And the reality is, in the same afternoon that the Lord Jesus Christ paid for your sins, and the fact that He paid in the same afternoon for your health, He also paid for your prosperity. I said He also paid for your prosperity. He intentionally became poor so that you could intentionally be well supplied. I looked up that word rich, and I, you know, I thought it meant spiritual riches, but it doesn't. It means outward material wealth. Look it up in the Greek. I mean, if, it, if, he, if I became spiritually rich, then, I, then, it has, then we have to believe that he became spiritually poor. And that didn't happen. Mm. Amen. Aren't you glad today that God didn't give us options here in this verse that you could either be prosperous, or you could either be healthy, or you could be prosperously, prosperous in your soul. I'm glad he didn't say, if you're going to have soul prosperity, you got to be sick and broke. And I'm really glad that he didn't say, if you want to be healthy and wealthy, then you can't go to heaven. Huh? He throws all three in there, doesn't he? He doesn't give us door number one, door number two, or door number three, as Monty Hall used to. Let's make a deal. No. 
He just gave you all three doors. You get all of it. Even as your soul prospers, I wish and pray that you prosper and be in health. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Is this helping you today? I hope so. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us. Past tense. Not is redeeming us, not will redeem us. Has redeemed us from the curse of the what? Of the law. Having been made a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. I'm looking at a room full of Gentiles today. This is not a race of people. This was a people that were outside of the covenant. That's what Gentile was. Those that were outside of the covenant, those that were not Jews. So there were those of us who were outside the covenant, but by what Jesus did when he hung on that tree, he made a way for us then to become inside the covenant, to be partakers of the blessing of God. Oh, this is so good. It says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So it's not about birth. It's not about blood. It's about believing it. It's about faith. Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. Under the curse of the law, you can, you can look at the whole list in Deuteronomy. There is sickness, there is disease, there is lack. But you've been redeemed from that. I said you've been redeemed from that. And what was that blessing that it says? What was that bless, the blessing of Abraham that has now come upon us? What is this blessing? God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, as for me. God made his position. He set himself up in front of Abraham and said, as for me, this is what I'm going to do. Not because you, you've done all this. This is what I'm doing. Right? I'm God. As for me, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will make your descendants mighty on the earth, and you will be a blessing. And that blessing, ladies and gentlemen, that was upon our father Abraham, was spoken over you today, that God will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Look at verse 29 there in Galatians 3. It says, if you are Christ's, anybody Christ's in here today? Anybody possessed by the Lord Jesus Christ in this room? Today? Raise your hand real big. If you're possessed by Jesus, if you are Christ, that is you belong to him, then are you what? Who's Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? I will bless you and you will be a blessing. So, so you belong to him. And if Christ possess you, then that means you possess something. You possess the blessing. Glory to God. You don't have to try to go get the blessing. You already have the blessing. So I want to encourage you today to change your thinking from, you know, I sure would like to know what I have to do to get God to bless me. I want to change, I'll help you change your thinking from that, what you have to do to get God to bless you. There's people that are writing books. There are men out there uh, and, and went writing books, these things you have to do to get the blessing of God in your life. Don't buy those books. Don't buy those books. You're already blessed. Are you hearing me? They're trying to put the law on you. 
They're constantly trying to put their religion on you. That you got to jump through hoops, you got to do this. No, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. This, this canceled, that one verse canceled out all of it. Jesus redeemed me from the curse. There is no curse on my life anymore. I saw a book a while back, 10 curses that stopped the blessing. I don't have any curses stopping the blessing. Jesus stopped all the curse for me. He became a curse. And every bit of the, all the curses that were coming onto my life stopped at the cross. And every blessing of God just came on rushing through. Woo! Don't ever let anybody, I don't care what Dr. Ding Dong says on Christian TV. Listen to what the Bible teaches you. You take the Bible at face value. Believe what it says. It is that simple. You are already blessed. When you woke up this morning, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a child of the living God, you are blessed. When you go to bed tonight, you will be blessed. When you get up tomorrow in the morning and go to work, you will be blessed. And so it will go. Because you are no longer, you are no more Christ five years from now than you are right now. You'll be no more Christ when you get to heaven than you are right now. Amen. You are eternally alive right now. Amen. Praise God. You're no more righteous right now. You're no more, you'll be no more righteous in heaven than you are right now. Amen. You cannot have a bigger position. Only thing you, only thing that's going to happen for us is get a new body. But in the spirit, we're already seated in heavenly places with Christ. There's no better place to be. Mm -hmm. And don't let your performance, your good or your bad, change your thinking on being blessed. Ah, boy, that just rubs against religion so bad. Let's go look under the law for just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 8. So no matter what may be going on around you, your position in Christ does not change. I'm going to say that again. No matter what might be going on around you, your position in Christ does not change. How many of you this morning got a phone call at your house from your local congressman who said, Hey, John, John, did you get a call this morning from your congressman? He said, John, I just want to remind you, you're a free American. Anybody get that call this morning? Huh? No? You didn't get that? How many of you are free Americans in here? Now, now you don't know that? You don't know that because somebody told you, do you? You know that because you believe in these sacred documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States of America, the Bill of Rights. You know those things written down are why you're free today. You don't need somebody telling you you're free. Are you getting this today? You don't need somebody to tell you that you are blessed so that you can be blessed. You don't need some man, you're blessed. You don't need that. You have Jesus who has possessed you, and because he possesses you, you possess the blessing. And you have this sacred document written down called the promise of the word of Almighty God that is established forever. He watches over that word to perform it. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Shall he not do it? Has he spoken? And ha shall he not make it good? His word will not return void. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, If you but you shall remember the Lord your God, it is he that gives you power to get a buy, get by on barely get along street. He gives you the power to eke out an existence, but just barely make it. Yeah. Hmm? He gives you the power to be humble enough to pray this wonderful religious prayer. Oh Lord, I don't ask for much. I just want my needs met. 
just look down on me with your pity and just meet my needs. That's all. I, I don't want to bother you, Lord. I know you're busy. I know you're busy. That's so humble of you. And yet that prayer is all about you and nothing more. What a sad existence for a Christian to live just wanting God to simply meet their needs when God has called you to be blessed and to be a blessing. How is it that you can bless others if you're sick and broke? Your whole life is about you at that point. Hmm? Don't you know that you can become a lot more effective witness and be a greater blessing if you're feeling good and you got money in the bank? Hmm? Is this too hard? And I get a good amen. It is he that gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto your fathers. Who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now whose blessing is on you? The blessing of who? Abraham. Oh, so you get the power to get wealth too? Yeah. 400 plus years before the law ever came, this was pronounced to Abraham. And it even went right through the law, and now it went right into your living room today. Hallelujah. Right into your life. The covenant is just as alive and powerful today as it was the day God Almighty spoke it to Abraham. So let's get our minds right around this and move into this living revelation that we are blessed and we are to be a blessing. See, if you do that, though, if you, if you, if you really wrap your mind and heart and life around that, then you'll quit worrying about not having enough, and you'll start thinking about how can I bless others? How can I reach out to other people? What can I do? God, you've blessed me so much. And the Bible teaches us, you know, to bring all the tithe in the storehouse that there may not be room enough to receive it. There's a reason why there's not room enough to receive it because you're supposed to give it away. Not supposed to have room enough to receive it. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn to Mark chapter 12 and we'll be wrapping it up with this thought here. Mark chapter 12. And that might be a thought in here today. Some of you might be here and saying, Pastor Eric, this is all real neat. It's nice that you think like that. <laughs> but my honest opinion is, I just don't think God's all that interested in money. There are people that think like that. And I'm not here to condemn you for that. I'm here to show you something different. Because I want you to know he really is interested. I found out a long time ago when Heather and I were first married. We found out a long time ago just how interested God was in our finances, being that we were financially deficient when we first got married. You know, ramen noodles was the meal. You know, thank God for ramen noodles. You know, it gets every college kid through college. You know, it gets every young couple, you know, sur keeps them surviving. <laughs> young married couple. And it did. I mean, we ate a lot of that. Of course, we had our parents in town, and so we'd always go eat at their house. And, uh, you know, I was making a whopping 800 bucks a month, you know, before taxes. <laughs> Somehow, we living in an apartment and driving a little car. I don't I still look back and go, God, only you, only your hand in that is how we survive. There is no way in the world we could have done that. But we, we realized that how important it was to be tithers and givers. And we never stopped doing that, no matter how broke we were. Never had the thought, well, I can't afford to tithe. I'll get that. If that's your thought, get that out of your head. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is the way. That is the way. Are you hearing me? To prove God.
That is, he says, there's only one place he says, test me or, or, or prove me in this. And it's in that place. Prove me in this. See. See if I won't do it. See if I won't, won't do it. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing. And I know that myself and Heather, we've lived this. I would not be up here telling you this if I did not know it to be true. Yeah. Hmm? This is true. It's real. It works. And it got us out of a lot of financial trouble. When we hooked into the kingdom of God and his purpose, it changed our lives. Mark 12, 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury. Listen to this. Listen to the language of this verse. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Wow, he's looking pretty intently at him, isn't he? Now, what does this mean in modern vernacular? He watched how people were putting money in the offering plate. Should we receive another offering this morning? <laughs> Just kidding. He watched how. They were putting money in the offering plate. Oh, Jesus don't care about money. Well, why is he making a deal here? Why, why is he doing this? How come he's sitting over there watching these guys walk by? It says many. Look at this. Look at later on that verse. And many that were rich cast in money. So there are lots of people walking by, and he's watching them. He's watching how they do it. And I have a feeling he's watching how much. Because we'll look at, we'll look at a, another verse here in a second. And he's watching. He's watching them put the money in. He's just sitting over there watching I mean, the pressure is on, ladies and gentlemen. When the Son of God is sitting next to me and I'm putting on the offering plate, I'm going to put on a show. I don't care. You know? I'm going to take everything i got out of my own. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. <laughs> you know? And they were putting on a show. I mean, they saw him. Oh, look at this. And uh, so he's, he's watching what they're putting in. All right? And many, many came by. And look at this. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in how much? how they know there were two? Is he counting? I think so. Two mites which make a farthing, or two pennies, all right? Which don't make much. And he called unto him his disciples. So, I mean, I imagine that Jesus' disciples are always with him wherever he goes, right? So I, I just, you know, just using my own artistic license here, give me a moment here, that he's sitting there and the disciples are standing around going, what's he doing? What, who cares about this, Jesus? You know? And, and he's watching people put in the offering. And, they, you know, they got a little bit of ADD, so they start wandering off, you know. And so it says, then he called them to him. He says, guys, guys, guys. He, he makes a moment of this right here, okay. He says, he called them to the disciples. He said to them, don't be fooled by me. I'm really not interested in this. That's not what he said, is it? He said, truly or verily, I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. She put in more in the offering plate than everybody else in the room, all the rich people. Now, how can that be, Lord? Can you not calculate? Hmm? It really isn't about that amount, is it? I mean, if a guy that's a billionaire puts $100,000 in an offering plate, billionaire puts $100,000 in an offering plate, and the guy who has $100 puts $10 in the offering plate, who's putting more in? Hmm? Guy's 100 bucks. He makes, he takes, so if he's not interested in this, why is he talking to his disciples about it, and why is this an issue? Ladies and gentlemen, the fact is he is interested in it. He is interested. He wants you to have life. He wants you to have life in that more abundantly. He wants you healthy. He wants you financially prosperous even as your soul prospers. It's important to God because he knows that money is important to us. We have to have it. 
And the Bible does not teach us money's the root of all evil, contrary to people that don't know how to quote the Bible. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Jesus said it like this. They asked him, he said, he said show, show me a, give me a coin. So they gave Jesus a coin. He says, whose inscription is on this coin? They said, Caesar's. He says, well, then render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And he's talking about the tax. And unto God what is God's. Well, what's Jesus talking about there? What, what's God's? What's God's? Render unto Caesar what's Caesar's, and unto God what's God's. What did God what's God's part? The tithe. That's his part, 10%. Aren't you glad he didn't say 90%? <laughs> huh? I mean, he's God. He can say whatever. He can put any figure on it he wants to. We're at his mercy. He said 10%. And I've been amazed to see what God can do with 10% of my money. It's incredible. It proves to me. He's proven to me over and over again just how serious he is about this thing called covenant. Just how serious he is about his word that he wants you prosperous. I hope this has helped you today. I'm here to encourage you today that God's wish is that you prosper and be in health. Even as. How spiritually prosperous are you? How, how much do you prosper in your soul? Praise God. To the nth, right? Now you might be here today and say, well, Pastor Eric, that's neat and all, but, uh, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I, I also look at my bank statement, and it doesn't agree with what you're telling me today. Hmm? I mean, I live in reality. You're up there preaching something way above my head. I live in the real world. Yeah, don't get quiet on me now. Hmm? I live in the real world. No, you don't live in the real world. If you don't walk by faith, you don't live in reality. I'm going to say that again. People mistake faith for some kind of sub-reality, some kind of fake action that Christians get into and to, to, to just get through life. No, 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 no. Faith is the reality. Faith is that which gets you to the things that you desire. Are you hearing me? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Jesus said, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believed. Mark 9, 23. All things are possible to him who believed. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We also have in the same spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Romans 10, 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Are you hearing me today? Faith is the reality of a Christian. It is the place. If, if, this is, if you want the reality of the world, as a believer in Christ, God bless you. God help you. I don't want what this world offers. I've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that I may know the things that have freely been given to me by God. Are you with me today? Amen. Why don't we bow our heads for just a moment? God wants you to prosper and be in health. It is your heavenly Father's design for you.
It is his wish for you. Praise God. But I want to I talk about the most important thing, just like I mentioned this morning. I understand that the most important thing is that you prosper in your soul. Above, above having any money, above being healthy, prospering. Knowing, having the knowledge, the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. I believe this with all my heart. That everybody needs Jesus. And you might be sitting in this room today and, you've, and you, you're not prospering in your soul. And you've never been born again. You've never received Christ in your life as your, as your Lord and Savior. You've never allowed Him to come in and wash away all your sins. He's already done it. And all you have to do is believe that it was for you and make it personal. All you have to do is believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. It really is that simple. Jesus said, like, said it like this. God so loved the world. God loves the world. He so loved the world that he gave the world one answer, his son. He gave us Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The invitation is for you today. If you say, Pastor Eric, I want to be prosperous in my spirit, and so I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I need Jesus in my life so that I can have that life and more abundantly. If you're here today, please, please raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. You're putting your faith in, in Christ. You want to know that God is your Father and heaven is your home because this world is passing away. It's not here forever. It's just, the Bible calls it a vapor or like a, a withering flower. It's here and then it's gone. And then it's forever. And what will you do? God's given you a way of escape, eternal destruction. He gave us his son who said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Whoever, no one comes to the Father but through me. He's the only way to God. He's the only way to heaven. Is there anybody here today that say, Pastor Eric, I, I want to believe, I want to be saved today. I want to know Jesus. Anybody here? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.